Amen. Good morning. Let me ask you a question this morning. Um, when somebody asks you about the church, not just this church, but the Big C Church, what do you think about? Like when somebody says the word church, what comes to your heart? What comes to your mind? What do you think about? For some of us, we begin to think about buildings, right? Uh, structures, cathedrals, or some type of architecture. And for those of us that kind of grew up in the church, maybe you begin to think about uh, the things of the church, like the services or the things you remember about church, church camp, right? VBS potlucks, which are a wonderful thing that we're going to get to experience today. Um, maybe you begin to think a little deeper. Maybe you think, and I, I think a lot about relationships, people that are connected to you and to your family, uh, many of whom, well, in my heart anyway, are even still here in this church. I grew up in this church. And so it's sweet for me to still have people who've loved me for a long, long time and those relationships mean more to me than just a building. But the reality is no matter what comes to your mind or your heart, we all have different definitions. We all have different thoughts and ideas about what the church really is because we all have individual experiences, right? So depending on who you ask is kind of what you're going to get based on their own experience, how they've grown up, maybe as, as how they would define the church. I wonder if we ask people in the world who have nothing to do with the church, they're not, you know, they don't care about the church, they have nothing to do with anything around faith, what would they say about the church? Well, there was a guy by the name of David Kinnaman, he wrote a book called Unchristian several years ago, and he... he he surveyed lots of different groups, but one of the groups that, that is very interesting to me is the, the millennial group, 18, maybe to 29, somewhere around there. And he asked these questions, what do you think about the church? Well, I want, to hear, want you to hear some of these answers that they gave. 87% of this group feels like the church is judgmental, 87%. 85% feel the church is hypocritical. 75% feel that the church is too political. 72 feel the church is out of touch with reality. 78% feel like the church is old-fashioned. 70% uh, feel the church is insensitive to other people. 68% feel like the church is boring. And what's interesting is with these answers, these are not great answers, by the way. Did you notice that? These are negative answers. Um, and a high percentage of them feel negatively about the church. But even in these answers, they're connected to their own individual experiences of the church and how they would define the church. Well, sadly, because of a lot of these answers, I feel like, you know, this other metric, um, it's, it's sad, but it's real. For those of us who grew up in, the, how, many, how many people grew up in the church? Let me see your hands. Oh, so a lot of us. Well, there's a metric I just read this week that says only 40% of us who grew up in the church are actually raising our own children in the church. 40%. And I believe that's a high metric. I feel like there is a consistent uh, downgrading of what we are doing with our kids, what we're doing with our own lives. And many of it, uh, the reason is because of what I was just mentioned here before. You know, the Western church, when I say the Western church, I'm talking about the American church. We've made the church so individualistic, so consumer driven. We live in a consumer culture, don't we? So you can go to Walmart and the customer's always right, right? Or you can go to Burger King and have it, what? You're what? Wow, a lot of Burger King fans today. Did you guys try the left-handed Whopper? Did you hear about that? Um, 
So we're used to this. We're used to this, I want it my way. In fact, we even heard a phrase like this. I'm sure you've heard it maybe in your own family or people that you know about the church. Things like, listen, I, I want it my way. It's not, you know, it's, it's just not something I like or I want it my way or I'm going to hit the highway. I'm gone. Right? It's just not something I like. When the reality is we're not here as a church to make people happy. We're here to help them grow holy. That's our, our goal is not to just make sure the customer's always right and serve the, that, you're not customers, by the way. It's our job to help you grow holy. What about this phrase? I, you know, I'll go if I want to. I, I've got my own church at home. I, I'll just do church at home. By the way, there are thousands, if not millions, of great messages, great sermons that you can watch online better than this one, I'm no doubt. But it's not church. You can watch a sermon all day long in your PJs, praise God, grow from it. It's not church. You can't do church at home alone. In fact, for you to even make a statement that I'll just be doing church at home, it's showing that you truly don't know the true definition of what the church is. It can't be done alone. It's kind of like saying to somebody, hey, um, I've got a basketball team we're going to go play. Oh, yeah, cool. Who, who's on your team? Just me. You can't have a team with one person, right? And you can't be a church with one person. It involves other people. What about this phrase here? All those people over there are just hypocrites. They're just hypocrites. I'd rather go fishing or be outside. I worship when I'm outside, right? Let me remind you of something. You're never going to find perfect people in the church because the church is made up of broken people, flawed people, messed up people. And because of that, the church is a messed up place led by broken and flawed and messed up people. And by the way, I love to worship outside too. I think God's creation is nothing more beautiful and wonderful. And it does lead me to worship, but guess what? It's not church. It's not the church. It's beautiful. We should let it lead us to our love of our creator God and be thankful for what he's given us and done. But it's not the church. And yet many of us still define it as such. It's not the church. What about this phrase? This one gets me. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. I, I love Jesus. I hate the church, though. Do we realize, listen, that's the same thing as me going to my beautiful wife, Lori, and say, hey, honey, I sure do love you. I love you. But all this, the hair, the face, the hands, the legs, your whole body, I hate your body, and I hate everything about you, but I love you. It makes no sense. Because she, she is those things, right? To love Jesus is to love his body, and that's who we are as the church. His hands and feet on this planet. And to know him, to love him, is to love his church. And I'll even go further and say this. To identify yourself as a Christian, it can only be done so in the context of the family of God, the church. You can't be a, a Christian and, and not be a part of a church. Right? It's the same way of saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a son or I'm a daughter, but I have no connection to a family. Listen, even if you were adopted and you don't know, have a clue as to who your mother and father were, in your very DNA, in the makeup of who you are, it says that you have a family. You may not know them, you may not like them, but you can't get away from the fact that you are created from them, right? In the same way in the church, we, we can't do it alone. We are connected to a group of people. 
And I want to say, I want to make this statement. And I want you to hear me clearly. I'm going to say it twice because this is where we're going today. Listen, it seems to me that much of what we call the church, much of our perception, our understanding, our own definitions of what the church is, is largely not the biblical definition or God's definition of the church. I'm going to say that again. It seems to me that today in American culture, that our definition of the church, our understanding, our perception of what the church is, is largely not what the Bible says or what God defines as the church. And that's a problem. And because of that, we have all these definitions of what we think is the church, and we make statements like what I just said a moment ago. Uh, I grew up in church, like I said gone to church all my life. In fact, I surrendered in ministry right in this area right here. I prayed in this altar, baptized in that baptistry. I thought I understood what the church was and what it meant to be a part of a church. I really did. In fact, I even started serving in churches as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as a music pastor, as a worship guy. I served in different places around the country. And I was on the road as an artist singing in churches for a while. And I came off the road back about 1998, 99. And I started leading worship in churches. And my wife and I decided to be a part of a church, and we picked a church like 99.9% .9 of people pick churches. We go, that's a big church. They're probably doing something fun. It seems to feel good. I like the preacher guy. I like what he said. I like the music. It's okay. Let's go there. And so we were a part of a big church, but then I started leading worship in all these different churches, and that was my job. And so I, would lead, I was leading three or four different churches and different denominations. And I was kind of what you'd call a hired gun. So I would come in, and I wasn't a part of their church, but I would come in and I would work with their worship team, teach them some songs, and then we would lead worship for that church, and then I'd go back home. And then next Sunday or next Wednesday or next Saturday night or whatever, I'd come back and I'd lead and lead the church and we'd go back home. And that was okay with me because largely my definition of the church was what we did on Sunday was kind of the performance of the church. And I had no clue what really the church is to be about until one of those churches, they said, hey, Drew, we, we really like your worship leading. We like your heart. We want you to lead worship for us. And I thought, great, um, you'll be like the fourth one this week. So that's wonderful. That's, this is good. And they said, well, there's a caveat here. We want to tell you, in order for you to lead worship, <laughs> we want you to be a part of us. So when we look up there and we see you leading worship, we want to know that you're one of us. And the way we want you to do that is we want you to join a small group and be in a small group every week. And I remember looking at Lori going, these people, what do they think they're? I wasn't used to that type of commitment. I wasn't used to that type of every week you want me to walk my life out with all this bunch of people? It didn't seem to make sense to me because my definition of the church wasn't their definition of the church. And so we got involved in this small group. And in this small group, it was just so beautiful. There was diversity in the group. There was multiple ages in the group. There were different types of people, people I would have never hung out with on my own. But we were walking life together. There were sometimes we needed to help people financially, we would help. Lori and I didn't have kids, and so we were able to help with other people's kids. We grew so much spiritually in that season in our lives. And I'll never forget the thing that kind of topped it all off. We were moving. We built our first house. We were so excited. And you know how that whole process is just draining. 
and exciting and fun to move into your first house. And so I led worship this church on Saturday, a Saturday night service. And I said, hey, you guys, we got movers going to move us and they're going to come to the apartment about um, eight o'clock. If you want to meet us at the new house and just unload some boxes, that'd be great. We're having a moving party. I kind of made it silly, you know, and gave them the address to the new house. Well, my parents were with us and I'm, we're waiting at the apartment for the movers and we're waiting. We're looking. Oh boy. Oh boy. They never show up. They stood us up. And so I called the movers and they're like, yeah, we're not coming. What? So we decided we were going to go to the new house and tell all the people who were coming, if anybody was coming, hey, we're not moving tonight. You know, so we got there and we said, hey guys, when we were exhausted, we say, hey, we're not moving tonight. Not going to happen. Um, the mover stood us up. Sorry. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget. This guy walks up and he goes, hey, Drew, we're going to move you tonight. And I said, no, um, you're staying on my, my new yard. Not, we're not moving tonight, right? I'm, I'm tired. I'm upset. I'm, I'm frustrated. We're not moving tonight. And the reason I was so frustrated and upset because I didn't want to put in too much on them, right? But I wasn't showing that. I was just, no, we're not doing that tonight. He goes, no, we're, we're going to move tonight. I said, no, we're not. We're not moving tonight. It's 930 right now. And we, we got to figure out, an, uh, you know, a, a hotel room or something. We got to figure this out. He said, no. He walks up to me and this changed, listen, this changed my life. And it helped me to truly biblically define the church. He walked up to me and he grabbed my arm and he looked in my eyes. He said, brother, listen to me for a second. And I'm like, there's people standing around. I'm like, what are we having a special moment for right now? He says, hear me. He stepped up and he looked in my eyes and he said, Drew, you need to move. And we're your church and we love you. And we're here to help you move. Look behind me at all the pickup trucks. Look behind me at all the Suburbans and they line to the street. And he said, we're going to move you tonight because you need to be moved tonight. And I, I couldn't argue with him. He was right. I did not like it. I was mad because I had been taken out of the control seat, right? Out of the driver's seat of this moment. But there are moments we need people to tell us the very things we need, not the things we necessarily want to hear. I never experienced that in my life. And those guys, you should have seen us. We look like the Beverly Hillbillies coming down the road in Houston, mattress flopping up and down on somebody's pickup truck, you know? But until 2 a.m., those guys helped us putting beds together, putting our furniture in our new home. And they went home exhausted, having helped my family move into our new home because they were the church. It changed my life for my definition of the church. This wasn't something I came to. This wasn't, I didn't listen to somebody do something. This was, this was community. This was meeting a very real need. And from that point on, I've never seen a church the same. I've never picked a church the same. I've never been a part of a church in ministry the same. I thought it'd be helpful for us this morning if we started taking a look at the church and we ask the question, as we define what the church is, maybe it's helpful for us to take a look at what the church is not. Okay, so this is what the church is not. Number one, the church is not a building. It's not a, it's not a structure. It's not a building. In fact, we know that the early church didn't even meet in, in like a larger building for at least 300 years. The church is not a building. Church is not an event to attend. Church is not a business to succeed in. 
Even though if you, if you read much about church planning and new churches, you would sometimes ask yourself the question, is this a business book or a church planning book? I have a business degree. I love business books and business ideology and things about leadership. I love that. But the church is not a business. Church is not a performance to critique. Oh. We all do it. Later on today, somebody might accidentally forget that I mentioned this, and they'll go, so what do you think about that message? Right? Oh, I just didn't like that one song. It was too loud. It was too this. This is not a performance for you to critique or for me to critique. This is a performance for an audience of one. God forbid that we make it a performance that you sit and just receive. Right? That you just can watch and not participate. The church is not a club where we're members, right? And we can just have our wants met, our needs met, because I'm a member and members get certain things. It's not what the church is. It's not a club. It's not a social gathering for people who are just like me, because I really just like to be around people just like me, don't you? It's not the church. It's not a place for people who, only the people that I like. I remember at that church in the small group, I remember arguing with the pastor because I just didn't have a clue. Saying, these small groups need to be age appropriate, man. We need to have young small groups and older people small groups. And we need, he goes, no. It's like, okay. And the thing I didn't understand is the church, yes, there are times where it's sectioned off like that. But if it stays like that, then the older can't bless the younger, and the younger can't bless the older, and we can't be the body of Christ that he wants us to be, because even the early church was a diverse church. So different, so different. We're going to see in just a minute how different, but it's not just the people are like me that I want to be with and do my life with, or people that I like. That's not the church. And then lastly, the church is not a formal occasion to dress up and put on a mask. I, I used to kind of feel this and think this. When I was in high school, I loved fashion. I loved certain types of clothes and trying to seem some way, you know, look cool at church for the ladies, you know, the, the younger ladies and, you know, anyway. Um, and I wore a mask. It was about what I wore or what I tried to, the perception that I placed in front of you. Not about who I truly was in my heart. So what is a church? Can we take a look at a list of what the church should and truly be? Number one, what the church is is a gathering of believers who they desire to grow together. They want to go deeper in who they are, their identity in Jesus. They're a family. And this is what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks in an in-depth way. I'm very excited for us as a church to talk about this. The church is a, fa- a family to belong to. It's not a service to attend, it's a family to belong to. It's a place to be known. And when I say known, I don't mean, hey, I know that guy, I know his name, and his wife's name, I remember his wife's name, and he does this for a living. Isn't that about as deep as we normally go in the church? But the church is truly supposed to be a place where we're known. That means you know my mistakes. You know my failure, you know my questions, you know my doubts, you know the problems I've got in my family or my work. 
Maybe not everybody, but there's a group of people that you're walking life with in such an honest and authentic way that you can be known. Even just saying that, a place to be known. That's what the church is. Church is a place to love. It's a place to be loved. It's a place sometimes for people to tell you, you have a need and I want to meet it. And you may not like it, but you still need it. That changed my life. The church is a place, it's an opportunity to serve one another, our city, our community. It's a training ground for us to learn to become authentic disciples, more like Jesus. It's a place to be used of God. And the church is a place to be sent on mission. Listen, next Sunday, next Monday really, is our one year anniversary as South City Church. Isn't that cool? Yeah, we made it a year. Well, we're about to. <laughs> That's a big deal. And I'm excited about it. And one of my point in saying that is this. We're still learning who we want to be. We're still designing the church we want to have, okay? And I promise you, as long as God gives me the gift to lead you and love you and serve you as your pastor with an amazing team, this is what we'll do. We will design this place as a church based on scripture and who God defines the church to be, not what I define it to be. Not what other churches are doing or what tradition has done, but on what God defines the church to be as the church in his word. And the shocking thing is, is it may be a little different than what you're used to, and that's okay. Let's go back to his word. Let's be who he wants us to be and the thing that he wants us to be is a family. God wants his church to be a family. We get the word church from, uh, from a Greek word by the name of ekklesia. Um, the literal definition just means called out ones, like to a gathering. And the first place we see it in, in the New Testament is actually when Jesus, in Matthew 16, 18, says, I will build my ekklesia, I will build my church, my gathered ones, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first time we see that word. And so it kind of has this definition of the called out ones, the, um, the gathering of ones. But the definition sort of changes a little bit at Pentecost. And from the point of Pentecost on, the definition really is more than just people who are called out. It's, it's a Christ-redeemed family. Right? That's really what the definition, it's redeemed community of Christ followers. We see Ecclesia later on in Scripture, that's what it's speaking of, not just people who are called out together, but a redeemed community of Christ followers. Scripture defines and shows us different examples and pictures of what the church is, and they're so beautiful. If you, and we've talked about this, and we'll keep talking about it, and we'll keep coming back to it. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. If you don't have that marked in your Bible, just turn over there and mark that up. Put over there on the, in the side, we want to be this. We want to look like this, circle it, highlight it, whatever you want to do. We're not going to read it this morning just for the sake of time. We've read it. I'd encourage you to go home and read it and pray about it and dream about the church we can create that might look like that. And it's a beautiful expression of the church. It's a beautiful community, but it's more than a community. Really, what we see in Acts 2 is this community is acting like a family. 
Sometimes we come to this, this text and we go, oh, this is what the church should be. And we look at the outcomes of what's happened instead of just going, oh, you know what? The outcomes are as a result of them acting like a family. If you have your Bibles, turn over to what uh, the letter of Paul wrote to Ephesians, church in Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 18 to 22, he says this, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, many of you remember um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, in the same chapter, just above this, Paul is, is, is bringing back, he's trying to help them see, listen, I know you're different over there in Ephesus. We got your, it's a Greek church. This is, uh, these are Gentiles who've come to follow Jesus. And so you've got Gentile believers and you've got Jew believers. You've got circumcised and uncircumcised. Culturally, you're different. Your language is different. The things you enjoy are different. I know this is going to be difficult, but you got to make all these differences work. And so in the first part of chapter two, he says that because of the cross of Christ, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he has torn down the dividing wall that separates us. There's now no longer Gentile and Jew, right? Male or female and all these different differences that sometimes divide us. Instead, God is building into us one body, the church of Jesus. Okay, I want you to remember kind of the context of what he's writing about. This is who he's speaking to here. And he says, listen, now we gotta learn to be one big family. We got to figure this out. He said we were once separated, right? We had nothing in common but Jesus. But Christ has torn down the dividing wall and reconciled us to God through his death. Paul calls this, this thing that's happening here between the Gentiles and the Jews. He calls it in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 6, a great mystery. He calls it a great mystery because here, just think about this. If you're a Jewish believer, You've come to trust Jesus, but for thousands of years, right, the Jewish culture has looked a certain way. It's been very rigid. You're not supposed to connect with other cultures. You're not supposed to go in the home of another culture. You're not supposed to do those things with other people that are from a different religion. There have been 1,500 years of a sacrificial system that's now ended. So many things have changed, and they're going, you want us to do what? Paul's saying, yeah, come together. Be the church. And I can't ignore the reality that this week we have mourned the loss of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his 50th, the 50th anniversary of his death. And I just, as I've thought about his life's work and, and the work that we still have to be done here in this church, here in this city, and here in this country, I can't help but think about Ephesians 2. I can't help but think about the fact that it is God's heart for us not to be separated, but for us to be together. It is God's desire for his church not to be a white church, God forbid, or a black church, God forbid, unless there's all the people that are in that area. But that's not the case, is it? We're separated by color and culture and preference, and that's not the heart of God. He wants us to be together. 
His word says that Christ has reconciled us to God and his death has torn down the dividing wall. We're no longer two, we're one. It's a great mystery, Paul says. How in the world are we gonna take all these different things and become one big family? Anybody old enough out there to remember the Brady Bunch? I know my, my brother-in-law Ray is. He's definitely old enough for, no. Uh, so the Brady Bunch, remember that? It's a crazy, crazy uh, little story about a lady and a man who, you know, I, I, I came so close to singing it and just seeing if we could just pick it up. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm so close. No. But uh, you remember this single lady, she has three daughters, single man, he's got three sons. And you can imagine, I just picture in my mind, their houses, Right. In the guy's home, there's basketball gold and junk everywhere and only sugar in the fridge probably. And then in the lady's home, there's pastel colors and flowers in the garden and you know what I mean? But now, the, the lyric even says, this group must somehow form a family. Remember that? That's the way they all became the Brady Bunch. So even in the lyric, somehow this group has got to figure it out. They're so different. Boys have got to learn to care for girls and girls got to learn to put up with boys and how are we going to make this work and yet we have the exact same question in the church. How are we going to make this work? Well, we got to figure it out because that is God's heart. That is his plan. I want to break down the text that we read just for a moment about what the church is. It says that our foundation in the church is the apostles and the prophets Basically, what it's saying is uh, the, the prophets of, uh, that have prophesied in the Old Testament and now the, the apostles that are going to be writing the New Testament. Basically, what he's saying is our foundation of who we are as a church, that is going to be the Word of God. We will stand on the Word of God. And the cornerstone of the building of our church is what? It's Jesus. You know what happens if you remove a cornerstone from the building? The whole thing will crumble. The whole idea is that its strength, the, its strongest point, the thing that makes it what it is, is that cornerstone. And Jesus is the cornerstone of God's church. And the foundation is his word. And somehow the Holy Spirit does this great mystery. And he brings us together, creates a household, a family. I, I've taught my girls, you remember this thing? This is a, now listen, this is for people that grew up in the church right here. Y'all know what I'm about to do, don't you? Huh? This is the church. Say it with me. This is the steeple. Open the. Here's a. So I taught my girls that, right? Just because it's a fun little thing to do with your fingers. But the, the thing is, is this is theologically correct. Because when I open the doors, actually my fingers are what make up the church. It's not a building, it's people. That's the definition of the church. Paul says it this way. I'm sorry, Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. You are the church. You are what makes up the church. The church is a family. And Paul uses uh, family language. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make a dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
and I will be, listen to this family language, and I will be their father to you. And, I, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Romans 8, Ephesians 1, they both speak of us being adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. So friends, what is the church? The church is a family. That's what the church is. When we get it right, when we look like that Acts 2 church, it's because we've chosen to be a family. And we're going we're gonna to flesh this out over the next few weeks. It's going to be so it's going to be so good, but I just want to mention a couple of things. Number one, God is the head of the church. He's the head pastor, right? We get that from Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, Colossians 1. He is the head, and we serve him and his definition of the church. We're adopted into his family. We're brothers and sisters. We're stuck with each other. You may have problems with your brothers and sisters, but you know what? You're still their brother and sister. You may have some issues. And if we'll follow the word of God, we can work those things out. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still brothers and sisters, no matter what. In, in some of our text in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the family order of the church. Talking about the fact that there's, you know, fathers, there's husbands, there's wives, there's parents and children, there's young and old. And the beauty that God has designed his church to be a family. So just a recap here. We want to be a church that has a biblical understanding, not an opinion of what the church is, a biblical definition of what the church is, should be, and we want to become that, okay? And we want to be the family that God wants us to be. And the guy that writes the material for us in the book that you're going to get today, his name is Jeff Reed. He says this, he says, God's design for the local church is for it to be a family of families with strong intergenerational roots. A powerful force in raising children, in building strong marriages, and in cultivating an intergenerational heritage that grows stronger generation by generation. That's what the church is supposed to be. When we do it right, that's what the church is supposed to be. So you might ask this, well then how do I pick a church, right? How do I choose this church or any church? How, how do I need to, what are the things I need to run down in my mind and go, well this is what I need to pick for my church. Let me just tell you a few things real quick. My two cents, okay? Don't find a church that makes you feel comfortable. Find a church that longs to make you like Jesus. Don't just find comfort. Find people who love you enough to help you to become like Jesus. Don't just look for a church where everyone hides in the dark of their secrets. They stay on this acquaintance level. I know their name, I know their job, but I don't know them. They're not known to me and I'm not known to them. But instead find a group of people who they live their lives in the light of Christ's forgiveness and their boast is the Lord. And don't settle for a church that only speaks from platitudes and plastic faces. Everything's perfect. Everything's fine. And you don't know me but instead find a group of people who will weep. Who will weep for the grace of God that they found in Jesus. Find that church. By the way, South City, let's be that church. Let's be that church. Church is not just a place where you get saved, rescued from hell, 
Church is a place where you develop into an authentic disciple, where you learn, you grow, and you become all that God wants you to be. That's what the church should be. That's what the church is. We believe here at South City, the way that we do that is in small group communities. So small groups are not just sort of like the side thing that we do. We're going to be a church that's made up of small group communities. We call them South City groups. And uh, if you've been around here very often recently, you know that we just came out of a a six-week small group time where we basically took our service time and we broke everybody up into small groups and we walked through what does it mean to be a disciple. And it was awesome. And we, we were nervous that, man, maybe this, we hope this doesn't make people feel left out for some reason. Instead, instead of people dropping off, people began to come. And we grew by 30 or 40 people in our small group time. And it went so well that we went, well, maybe we need to do that again. So, you know, we've taken these five weeks over Easter and spring break and all this stuff. And now we're back to this new schedule again of our first principle group. So I just kind of want to explain it to you. If you are in one of those groups, you know the drill, okay? If you're in one of those groups, you know that we're going to meet here starting next Sunday at 10 a.m. And from 10 to 10, 15, you're going to have donuts and coffee, and you'll be able to hang out with, with people and get to know them a little bit better, not just surface level, a little bit deeper. And then at 10, 15, from 10, 15 to about 11, 15, you're going to go into your small group, and you're going to just talk through what does it mean for the church to be a family? What does that mean, really? And you're going to work that out, and you're going to dialogue together. It's not a teacher-student set, set, setup or situation. It's a... It's, Socratic, where you talk with each other and you share ideas. And the leader brings us back to Scripture and what the Scripture says about being a family. And then at 11.15, you'll dismiss, have time to use the restroom, grab another cup of coffee or whatever, and come in here, and then we'll do a 20-minute service together. And we'll just have a, one of our pastors will have a quick devotional thought about that topic, and it'll be a beautiful, beautiful time together. Listen, we, we noticed when we did this those six weeks before, man, our attendance just was solid and steady and constant. It's because you were engaged with each other. You weren't just coming to an event or to a service to critique, right? You were engaged in life upon life. Let's do that again. We're going to do it for six more weeks and we start it next Sunday. But here's the deal. Some of you, I know that you weren't a part of those six weeks. And so Pastor Daryl is our worship pastor and our executive pastor. He's going to take a group through uh, the becoming a, a disciple group. So if you've never been through this group, or maybe you just didn't even finish the book before, that's okay. He's going to take a group through. They're going to meet right in here starting next Sunday. So come in here if you want to be a part of that group, or come talk to him so you can get your email address and remind you. But for the rest of us, you're going to connect with your leaders today, and you're going to get books today, and we're going to prepare, because there's a little preparation. Remember that part? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that part. We're going to prepare for next Sunday in our small groups, okay? Um, but that's, that's what we're going to do. We value discipleship and we, divide, we value small group community. It's, it's the most important thing about being a biblical defined church.